ago than her own parents did. Nothing of what she was told went any further. Not to their housemaid Mary, certainly not to Annie, the present scullery hand, and especially not to Fred, Mr Charles Longfield's gardener-come-handyman and lately chauffeur, who drove him daily to and from his import-export business near London docks. Fred would have ample opportunity to pass on words overheard about his employer's eldest daughter. Julia was the only one who ever came down here to the kitchen. Her two younger sisters and one younger brother never did. As a child it had been the little things, the slights, small hurts and rebellious thoughts, that, too angrily revealed to her parents, would have had her being sent to bed. On leaving college, her confidences had taken on a more adult nature, often of some young man of whom her parents would have disapproved, or not being allowed to go out alone with friends to a party or dance. Even her taste for the new, fashionable, less-figure-hugging dresses with their calf-length skirts was being frowned on by her mother. Victoria Longfield, with her old-fashioned ideas, maintained that nicely brought-up young ladies should not be wearing such outrageous garments. She herself still wore the ankle-length skirts and high-necked blouses of 1912, rather than the fashions of 1922, and kept her hair dragged back in an outdated bun that made her look far older than her forty-odd years. When Julia had wanted her own lovely long chestnut hair cut fashionably short, one would have thought from her mother's horrified gasps that she was intending to smash a holy relic. When her daughter had finally rebelled and taken a pair of scissors to her hair, the woman had almost swooned and Julia's father had gone into a rage. However, not even God could instantly restore what had been chopped off. Martha had kept her smile strictly under lock and key. Good for you, my girl, she'd muttered that night in her little room off the kitchen. This afternoon she regarded Julia severely. You're twenty-one and have a mind of your own now. The important thing is, if you're not sure you love Mr Morrison, and to me you don't sound all that sure... You shouldn't go marrying just for money or to please your families. You could regret it. Julia lifted her gaze. But I do love him. I feel happy when we are together. We laugh a lot and hardly ever stop talking, and it's lovely to have him kiss me. He's so very handsome and tall. I love his fair hair and his blue eyes. And I know I'd be devastated if anything were to happen between us. But I've never been in love before, so I'm still not sure if that is love or not. So that was the trouble. The girl had been too sheltered for all she was lively and had an outgoing nature, even if she was in some ways a bit stubborn. Martha felt herself relax as the excited flow of words calmed a little. All I know is that he'll be a perfect husband to me. He's kind and mild-tempered and generous. His parents approve of the match and so do Mummy and Daddy. They like him very much and I do too. And we do love each other. Martha yearned to inquire if Julia had ever ached for him, for his touch, 
for him to make love to her, but shrank from plying such a direct question. Yet she needed to say something. I might be getting on a bit, dear, but I hope I keep up with modern times. It just seems to me that if a girl isn't sure about, as you said, what love is, especially with the man her family expects her to be getting engaged to, she ought to speak up before it's too late, or at least wait a little longer. She paused a moment to judge the effect of her words, but when Julia seemed suddenly very intent on toying with the jelly moulds, she dared just a little more. In this day and age, no girl has to do what her parents tell her when it comes to marriage. Something that, good or bad, is going to have to last the rest of her life. And if it feels right...